This is the Stories of Transformation podcast, and I'm your host, Bakta Shahadi. Each week, I dive into deep conversations with distinguished guests who share their unique stories about how they overcame hardship, learned their craft, and found their purpose. These conversations are meant to expand perspectives and share voices of diverse identities. Today, I'm in conversation with Mark Metry, who is the author of the best-selling book, Screw Being Shy, Learn How to Manage Social Anxiety and Be Yourself in Front of Anyone. Mark is also the host of the global top 100 podcast called Humans 2.0, which has been featured by Forbes, NASDAQ, and Yahoo Finance as the top 25 growing podcast that you must listen to. Mark's show has been listened to over 10 million times and features some of the greatest leaders where he frequently speaks with billionaires, professional athletes, Pulitzer Prize winning journalists, and New York Times bestselling authors where they explore what it means to be human in the context of modern technological times. In this episode of Stories of Transformation, Mark shares the story of how he went from the lowest point of his physical and mental health to becoming a role model for those going through similar experiences. Born in 1997, Mark offers a unique perspective into what it was like growing up as a first-generation Egyptian-American going through grade school in the aftermath of 9-11. He shares pivotal moments from his life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and how all this has been crucial in transforming him into the man he is today. I found Mark's story and his vulnerability to be infectious, and I hope you do too. So if you enjoyed this conversation about social anxiety, please share it far and wide. And as always, please leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. So without further delay, I bring you Mark Metry. Mark Metry, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? Bhaktash, thank you so much for having me, man. I'm doing pretty well. Well, I'm glad you're doing well. I'm really excited to be in conversation with you today, Mark. Uh, There's so much that you've gone through in your life at such a young age already. It'll be great to kind of unpack what you've gone through and how you kind of faced your challenges and how you came out the other side a better person. But what I'd like to do, kind of start off our conversation, is, is to ask you, in your own words, how do you define who you are? A spiritual warrior. Tell me more about that. Yeah. So it's interesting. So I think as I've explored and traversed and like tried to make a name out of myself and then getting caught up in these different uh labels like being a podcaster or being an author or being a coach or being a leader or being a speaker. I think all these titles, I think they can have great power in them when used correctly. But I often find that when I just anchor myself in one of those names, it can get quite limiting. And so I believe that first and foremost, everything that I have done my entire life has been very symbolic of being like a spiritual warrior, someone who is able to traverse across the different layers uh, of reality and understanding that the deepest layer of reality is the spiritual layer as opposed to the physical or maybe the mental side. And so that's, that's the way I kind of view it in my mind. And I feel like if I live within that label, then it just consistently leads me to who I'm supposed to be and my journey. And so that's the way I think about it. What's interesting about kind of what you're sharing is it takes a lot of courage and self-awareness to kind of understand that about yourself. And I imagine that hasn't been who you've always been. And so what I would be really curious to kind of talk about is, you know, what early experiences in your life and what in your upbringing kind of 
happened in your life that kind of shaped and formed who you are today. So tell us about your background. Tell us about your parents. I know they're immigrants from Egypt. So help us understand how that all kind of came to be and how that kind of shaped who you are today. Yeah, absolutely. So I was born in 1997. Like you had said, my parents and my sister had come from Egypt. And I just, you know, remember I was about second into third grade. My family and I, we we had lived in like an inner city with all kinds of people, mostly poor. And we moved out and we moved to a small town in Massachusetts in America with like five, six thousand, seven thousand people. And this was, as you know, this was an America post 9-11. And I remember not really understanding it at the time, but this was a time where I basically began to enter into an environment that was very hostile and toxic in terms of like going to a small town, going to school where there's basically zero racial diversity. Maybe it was about me and one or two other families in the entire town that looked physically, racially different from everyone. And being like a Middle Eastern person post 9-11, I just got hit with so much racism, just like many, many other people at that time did. And so I didn't really know what it was, but basically it just uh, really, you know, scarred me. And I remember being in third grade and just like from the first day I entered school, like entering this mindset where it just became about putting my head down, trying to hide, trying to stay as small as possible. And I just became that kid who really had no friends, who just wandered by himself. And yeah, and I mean, that was really my life for about 10 years. It wasn't until I was 18 where I actually realized that was the thing called social anxiety. And, you know, growing up and having really no awareness about mental health, like never understanding or knowing what anxiety, what depression was. When I was 18, that was a time where I started to slowly understand things. When I was 18, I also ended up, what I would say like my my version of rock bottom, where my sort of lifelong social anxiety that always existed, that never really let me be myself in front of other people, even people that I loved, uh, became social isolation. I got seriously depressed for the first time in my life, couldn't go to sleep, couldn't go to bed, couldn't wake up in the morning. I started to use food and, and other things to abuse myself and to escape the pain. I remember there's a time where I think I gained almost like 75 more pounds. I became obese for a short time. And, you know, next thing I knew, it almost just kind of felt like my brain broke. And I just wanted to end my life. And I had never felt like that in my entire life. But this was really my dark, you know, shadow, you know, moment that really just confused me, scared me. Yeah. So just to kind of drill down into that. So how did you know that you were going down this spiral? Like, help me understand some of the signs besides just gaining weight what were some of the habits that you were kind of falling victim to and some other things that you kind of noticed about yourself? Like, what did you notice about yourself specifically? So I think what was really interesting was when I went off to college and I sort of understood that social anxiety was a real thing. The first part of that was very liberating because I was like, oh, wow, 
So I guess, I don't know, I'm not a horrible person or, you know, God didn't create me to be messed up or something like that. It's like, oh, this is like a scientific phenomenon that happens in someone's brain. And so it's quite liberating to understand it from that perspective. But then also what happened was I started to challenge it, right? And I was like, hey, let me try to make friends. Let me try to just talk to people. And I remember when I would try to do that, I would see myself fall into a pattern where my brain would just shut me down and just hold me back. Where I would like walk up to someone and I'd be like, okay, Mark, introduce yourself, introduce yourself. But then next thing I knew, like my brain's fight or flight would would kick in. My throat would clench up. My heartbeat would start to race. And I just, I just couldn't talk, even though I tried to as much as I could. And so when that happened, it sent me down a very dark path because I just started to realize that I was hopeless. And I was like, wow, I'm always going to be this way. Uh, no matter what I do, no matter what I try, no matter what I aim for. And, but then all of a sudden I was sort of faced like these ups and downs of like, I don't want to eat anything. But then all of a sudden it'd be like, let's order six pizzas at Domino's. So I saw just a lot of sort of extremes, both on the low and the high end as well. Mm -hmm. And Mark, when did you realize that you were unrecognizable to yourself? You know, it's funny, right? Because there's this quote that says, uh, you can't see the picture when you're in the frame. When I had social anxiety my entire life, I had no idea I had social anxiety. When I was 18 and I was sort of going through this period, I had no idea I was depressed or suicidal. But one of the things that really led to sort of my present awareness of the fact that things had changed was I remember at my lowest point, you know, living in Boston and, you know, living on like this neighboring city, this neighboring uh, little town that let's just say it wasn't a good area. And I remember like getting texts and alerts on my phone, like every other night from like our campus police saying like, hey, don't go here. There's been a mugging. There's been a shooting. There's been this, there's been that. And so one of the things that I started to do was I was just filled with so much pain that I just didn't want to exist anymore. And so what I would do is I would go for walks in the middle of the night at like 1 a.m., 2 a.m. in these really bad neighborhoods and just like fantasize and like hope that someone would try to walk up to me and like mug me and, and, and kill me. And I remember on the last night that I did that, kind of had a really interesting you know, I don't know what to call it, like a mystical experience, but I remember basically running home and uh, running to my college dorm room and, and running upstairs. And I remember I ran into like my bathroom and this bathroom had like a big uh, like mirror that was on the wall. And I remember just like making direct eye contact with myself and almost just like asking myself, like, like, who am I? Like, wait, what is this? Like, what am I doing? And I remember like in that moment too, like all of a sudden I like looked down and I kind of felt that my pants were tight. And I remember like taking my finger and trying to like stick it in between like the waistline of the pants and my, and my thighs and be like, wow, why are my pants so tight? I don't remember wearing tight pants like this. And like that was the moment where all of a sudden it clicked in where I just like broke out of the trance that I was in for like the last three, four months. And that was really the time where I was like, wow, oh my God, like, what am I doing to myself? How did I gain all this weight? And it was, uh, it's not like, you know, at that moment, all of a sudden I was like, hey, I'm going to go change my life. But that was the first moment 
of like conscious awareness that I remember of things not being okay and, and maybe wanting to make a change. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you sharing that, Mark. And so once you came to this realization, once you kind of opened your eyes, so to speak, how do you go about trying to answer the question, who am I? Yeah, I mean, well, I'm definitely still trying to answer that question today. But I remember just looking at myself in the mirror and just like asking myself a logical next question, which was, hey, Mark, how am I going to lose this weight? Because that was the only thing that I was aware of. And so that was really the first step of my journey. I remember the sort of school season was done. I ended up moving back home uh, with my parents in the summertime. And now was a time where I was just like, hey, I'm overweight, I'm unhealthy, what do I do about it? And so I just started to read different books and I started to, to Google. I came across this guy named Dave Asprey. And this guy, he's the founder of Bulletproof, also very famously known for Bulletproof Coffee, that crazy thing where you put butter in your coffee. And I read his book and that was basically the first time I ever understood in my life that food isn't just what you put into your mouth when you're hungry. And there's a lot worse health problems than just looking overweight. You can be uh, someone who looks like a healthy weight, but you could have all kinds of health problems below the surface, both physical and mental. And so when I sort of came across him and I sort of saw that he had this diet, uh, like this health regimen that was favoring mental performance, I was like, whoa, I feel like I've never had energy in my mind before. And so as I started to like slowly experiment in that, in that field of like eating healthy, that was really the first time where I would say my brain turned on, or at least it felt like my brain turned on for the first time in my life. And this was maybe about six months, eight months after this experience. And I remember then moving back and sort of beginning the second year of school. And I literally remember like knocking on my college dorm room uh, for like my for like my my dorm room buddies to open our apartment, and I literally remember them opening the door, and then being like, "Whoa, who are you?" Because I had lost a lot of weight, and I just looked like a totally different person. I was I don't know I was like 210 pounds, and then now I was like 150 or something like that, and so that was quite interesting. And I actually remember in that moment realizing like, "Huh." I sort of was in a certain way before. I learned about it, I read about it, I changed my behavior, I committed to the process. And I'm looking at myself in the mirror and I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm different. And I think that was the first time in my life where it clicked in that you can actually like change your life. Mm-hmm. So what I'm hearing you say is that the physical transformation that you were able to kind of implement to yourself in your life was the first sign that you had the agency to change your life. And so how did you kind of take that momentum then, Mark, and then apply it to different elements and different aspects of your life? How did that kind of how did you use that 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 understanding and that realization to change other aspects of your life? So one of the biggest things that I had to learn is that so much of life is about energy. And there's many different layers of energy. 
there is sort of what I think like emotional energy, which is like, are you like emotionally doing okay and have the capacity to respond to life? There is the energy when it comes to meeting people and you sort of interpreting and intercepting sort of implicitly their energy and your energy. And then there's, I think there's like purposeful energy, which is like, hey, if you are doing something purposeful in your life and you're aligned with your mission, then you are, you have more energy. And then there's also like a cellular component of energy. What we all learn in school, mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. We have trillions of cells in our body. They need energy. And I think if any one of those layers is lacking or somehow maybe dysfunctional, then you're not going to have the energy to be yourself. And that's really what I learned is like a common theme alongside my childhood of, you know, being anxious and being depressed was just never having the energy. And, you know, that can be sort of be dismissed easily, you know, with some things. But what I've learned is like, if you don't have the energy, then you just can't be yourself because it takes energy to be yourself. And what's even more interesting that I started to realize as well is that once you do have more energy, it takes less energy to be yourself. And so what I started to see in front of me was as I started to eat healthier and I felt like my brain truly had a sense of energy, next thing I knew when I was just naturally placing myself in various environments and positions, I just saw different sides of myself that I never saw before. And I would have never known if I was kept at a sort of a low energetic state. Another big thing too is like, once I started to eat healthy and I started to get the energy, then all of a sudden I was like, you know what? Let me go for a walk. And I remember in my life, never physically exercising except for literally going for walks at my rock bottom when I was suicidal. And so I started walking and then I started to run and then I started to like, you know, um, go to the gym even. And then it's like all of a sudden, you know, you're eating healthy, you start to move your body, you start to exercise. Now, all of a sudden, a lot of the sleeping problems that I had for mostly my entire life as a kid, um, like I remember for me as a kid, basically either two things happening, me trying to fall asleep, which would basically be like me closing my eyes And then me just like being awake inside of myself mentally for like eight hours, which was the most exhausting thing ever. Do not recommend it to anyone. Or I would just straight up go to sleep and I would just wet the bed. And I remember even wetting the bed when I was like 18 years old and looking up and after the fact, realizing that it's a very common symptom of people who have been psychologically traumatized to wet the bed every single time they go to sleep because their fight or flight gets triggered. And so I had faced those problems all throughout my entire life, but all of a sudden I started to eat healthy, I started to exercise, now I slept a lot easier. And so all of a sudden I'm eating healthy, I'm exercising, now I'm sleeping well for the first time in my life, now I have even more energy. And when I had that much energy, I just became myself. And and basically what that means is like, I just started to get curious journaling, writing down your thoughts. Let me try to do that. And so basically it was like this very natural and organic process after that moment of just really, you know, as cliche it sounds, like becoming myself. That's fascinating. So as you're kind of going on this 
journey of self-awareness and becoming more and more, as you describe it yourself, and really just kind of revealing who you are to yourself, right? How were your friends and your, in particular your family kind of understanding who you were in particular, how they were understanding who you were becoming as you're kind of in your decline, hit rock bottom, and then slowly burgeoning and then flourishing to become the person you are today? Mm, that's a great question, man. So I wrote a book. It's called Screw Being Shy. And the reason why I wrote this book is because it's hard enough for the average person to speak about mental health. But when you happen to have a mental health condition called social anxiety, that makes it about 10,000 times worse. I say that because most of my friends and family had no idea where I was at that time. There were definitely some signs. Like I remember my parents, when I would sometimes come home, they would like ask me like, Mark, there's something going on. Like, you know, your parents can tell, you know, there's something that's like in your eyes that like, you know, we can tell. And, you know, to be quite frank, like I didn't really talk about this maybe two or three years after it had happened, even to the people around me and then also publicly as well, because I was still trying to just figure it out as well. But in terms of like, as I began to progress and as I began to transform and become myself, one of the things that I did that really helped me was picking up a daily meditation practice. And I feel like out of all the things aside from eating healthy that really like impacted my perspective the most was meditating. It's very interesting. And there were times where I would talk to my friends about some of these things and they would get offended or they wouldn't understand what I was talking about in terms of me changing my life. And then people would even tell me like, wow, Mark, you know, you've you've changed. You're not the same person anymore. And so, yeah, man, I mean, I've been through all kinds of like ups and downs regarding my friends and family. Yeah. So as you kind of came out of this space, Mark, where you started to realize you were stronger than the thing that was trying to defeat you and that slowly but surely you were getting stronger, you were becoming more aware, you were tapping into meditation, you were getting physically stronger. How did you realize or what made you realize that you wanted to essentially become vulnerable and tell people your own story? How did you make that step? So the middle of 2017, I'm in a spot in my life where I'm like, wow, I'm really grateful for all the things that I've learned. I've greatly, greatly, you know, seen how much I've been able to change my life and and it's awesome. But also this path that I'm walking on is also challenging. And, you know, if anyone else who's also on the path, like, you know that it's very rewarding, but it's also very, very challenging. And that's why most people don't do it. And I remember being in the spot where I was still facing other issues. Like I had started a business a couple years then around this time too. Uh, I was facing issues with my business, with my with my health, with relationships, just all kinds of you know issues that we have as, as human beings on planet Earth. And I remember just being in a spot where I'm like, I don't know what the answer is to this. And I remember being like, I need to not just find one solution that can help me now. I need to find some sort of a system or a path to consistently put me on this path to where I'm finding answers to my questions and my problems. And that for me at that time was starting a podcast. My original podcast name was Humans 2.0. And I had you know, seen myself go from sort of symbolically speaking a human 1.0 and my background before was in computer science. And so that's how a lot of my thinking works. I had seen myself as like, like a software, like a human version 1.0. 
And then I had made these changes, learned a lot, had changed you know, a lot of my behavior and, and what I'm able to do. And so I'm like a human version 2.0. And I thought that was like a great sort of symbolic analogy for what we all can do. And so I started this podcast and really what I would say is it became like my education system. When I wanted to learn about meditation, I was like, okay, who are the top 10 meditation experts I can reach out to in the world to learn about this, to answer my questions, my confusions, my misconceptions. And so I did that with, with everything that I was interested in, all relating to self-development, kind of mental health. And so it was really only until, I think it was maybe me doing a hundred episodes on my podcast and just listening to you know me interviewing people, them telling me their story. And then eventually me just saying like, hmm, I guess I could do it too. <laughs> and then the other part of it too was as I started to just put myself out there online, promote my podcast, people started to ask me for advice. And I was like, I don't really know if I can give you guys advice, but what I just started to do was I started to use my own life story as like a vehicle to like give advice, right? And so for me, I started to realize that there's a lot of people out there who whether they may be Egyptian, maybe they're Egyptian American like me, maybe they're, they look different, maybe they grew up in the same area as me, maybe they didn't, maybe they're the same gender as me, maybe they're not, uh, maybe they have the same socioeconomic status, maybe they're not. There's a lot of people out there who just don't have role models. They don't know the stories of the people who have walked before them. And that's very, very challenging and troubling because when you live in a society where you think the heroes of society are not you and can never be like you, that can be quite damaging. So I started to realize that myself and I started to be like, man, like there's a lot, there's potentially millions of people out there who have literally faced the same exact issues as I have, like social anxiety, uh, you know, poverty, racism, what, what have you, pick your issue. And they don't have role models because whether it's like, you know, Michael Jordan is on TV playing basketball, well, I don't really look like Michael Jordan and I'm not really interested in playing basketball. And when you said as a kid, you start, you don't really know where to go. You don't know who to become. And when you're in that situation, then you just take whatever is sort of defaulted by society, your parents or culture to you. And then it's, it's like really crazy now because every single day I get like the craziest messages, emails, I hear stories of like people who have used my story to help themselves. And then hearing all kinds of stories of people that I knew, people that I've never met before, uh, me being at the mall with my parents and then some random person like walking up to me and being like, hey, are you that guy from, from LinkedIn or podcasting? And then just getting the most ridiculous messages that don't really have anything to do with me, but have to do with what I stand for. People ask you that question like, what would you do if money wasn't an option and like you had everything you could do? This is literally what I'd be doing. And I'm thankful I've been doing it for years at my young age because this is the exact kind of life that I want. If I was never vulnerable, if I was just sort of like constantly obsessed with my own insecurities and anxieties and I never would have challenged myself to be courageous or to step forth, then I wouldn't have the life that I have. And maybe that's a good or a bad thing, but I'm very proud of the life that I live now. 
And so I didn't know that at the time of me sharing my story, but if I did, I probably would have started earlier. <laughs> and you know, what's really fascinating about what you're sharing, Mark, is that, you know, when we have the courage to tell our story, what it then does is it encourages and gives people the courage to tell their own story, to share their own perspective so that they feel like they're not alone. Right? Like that's the beauty of human story. Not only does it change people's perspective, but it allows people to gain the courage to share their own story, which then allows others to realize that they're not alone. There are actually more people in the world that suffer from social anxiety than they thought. There are more people suffering from depression than people could possibly imagine, or trauma, or sexual abuse, or physical abuse, or anything that's really negative as it pertains to mental health. And I think that's what's beautiful about your story at such a young age. You've had the wherewithal to go through a lot of hardship, a lot of tribulation, and to come out on the other end, a more wholesome, more self-aware person now where you can kind of share your own story. And also what you've just shared is motivate others to essentially become the person that they've always been. What I'd like to do as we kind of wrap up here, Mark, is ask you one final question. How would you go about answering the question, what is your message for the world? Interesting question. Um, so I think in terms of my message to the world, it would basically be this. Screw being shy. If you can learn how to be yourself and unlock yourself, then you are one step closer to being that person or being a contributor on a team or in an organization that literally can change the world, which then for your kids and then their kids makes it a better place. And so that's what would be my message. Mark Metry, thank you for the work that you do and thank you for being the light in the darkness, my friend. That's why I exist, man. Thank you for having me. If you enjoyed this conversation, please leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, please share it far and wide. This podcast is made possible by a superb group of individuals. Specifically, this podcast was produced by Joe Ganjemi. Digital marketing by Catherine Ahn. Artwork by Mashida Hadi and theme music by Kais Esaud. You can find us online via Stories of Transformation on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, where we have an online community named the Stories of Transformation Group. In this group, we discuss topics related to the human condition. Please join us. We'd love your engagement. Thank you for your support, and see you next time.